Welcome into Words with Wallace. I'm your host, Nick Wallace. Coming at you, it is Friday, December 22nd, and as you guys can tell, yes, I am coming at you live from my parents' basement. Yes, indeed, we are back home for the holidays. Was obviously doing some traveling, seeing some family and friends, so that is why I'm a little late on this pod. I know I should have had this out a couple days ago, so forgive me for having a little bit more of a delay than usual between episodes. Uh, we had a lot going on in the NBA. We had a lot of storylines to talk about, and if you read the title of this episode, you can tell that we are going to be, in fact, uh, spreading some holiday cheer, trying to stay positive this holiday season by ranking the dumbest moments of Draymond Green's career. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, again, missed a lot of NBA action the past week or so, so we do have a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it, guys. Let's pick up with what is going on in Cleveland. Yes, I know if you guys watched my last episode, I did let you know that a source told me that they expect head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, J.B. Bickerstaff, to be fired uh, within the next few weeks, as well as the Cavs entertaining trade talks surrounding Donovan Mitchell. Now, uh, the Cavs were in the headlines for, again, not so great reasons recently because they've been bit by the injury bug in a significant way. Uh, the Cavs are really kind of falling apart right now with Darius Garland, uh, one of their obviously star players, their starting point guard, going to miss four to six weeks due to a fractured jaw, ran into Kristaps Porzingis in a matchup against the Celtics uh, about a week ago at this point, and he is expected to have an extended absence, as well as one of their other stars, Evan Mobley. Uh, he's going to miss six to eight weeks after having successful knee su surgery for what that is worth. So again, uh, I got those reports about Donovan Mitchell uh, potentially being traded and J.B. Bickerstaff potentially being fired before all this negative news came out of Cleveland. So you would expect without with them missing two of their top three best players for them to continue to slide down the Eastern Conference standings. They've been all right. Donovan Mitchell's had some big performances and they're currently sitting at 16 and 13 and they are the seventh seed in the East. But again, it's just a really deep NBA. It's really hard to win when you're missing some of your best players uh, down this stretch run around the holidays. So I would expect the Cavs to fall, and I do think it makes it more likely that Donovan Mitchell does, in fact, get traded. I am going to double down on that take from just a little over a week ago. Again, I would expect him to be traded around the trade deadline. It's really rare that you see a star player moved uh, anytime besides either the offseason or right around the trade deadline. Obviously, Cleveland's going to take their time and try to get as large of a compensation package for Donovan Mitchell as possible uh, because I just feel like with these injuries and with them falling down the standings, it's certainly not impossible for them to just kind of keep the core how it is and still compete in the Eastern Conference, even if they are going to be a lower seed than what they expected. Uh, but I just do think that it's going to add to the frustration with them being lower in the standings and make it more likely that they pull the trigger on this Donovan Mitchell trade. Maybe it makes it more likely that J.B. Bickerstaff you know, kind of sticks around because, again, everything in the NBA is relative to expectations so you know maybe now that the expectations for Cleveland are a little bit lower with them missing two of their th three best players that it makes it less likely that J.B. Bickerstaff will get fired maybe the front office is a little bit more patient with him we will see but again stay tuned to the news out of Cleveland uh, obviously wishing speedy recoveries to Darius Garland and Evan Mobley two players I really enjoy watching and I know Cavs fans do as well so hopefully they get get well soon and uh, hopefully we have a, a resolution of this Donovan Mitchell situation around the trade deadline like I expect 
Moving on to the next headline here, I do want to mention that John Morant is in fact back. Um, obviously, I have not been a you know strong John Morant supporter and certainly not a supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but it is worth noting that, hey, man, he finally came back from his 25-game suspension. The Grizzlies were 6-19 and 19 without him, so they definitely needed Ja back desperately. And he really delivered in the first game back. Uh, he put up 34 points and had a game winner versus the Pelicans. Uh, and again, his first game back, which was kind of crazy. I watched basically the entire first half with my buddy Shane. And uh, we really thought the game was over. I went home, kind of did some other work, didn't even kind of dial in for the second half because the Pelicans were up by so much at halftime. Uh, Grizzlies looked terrible, and sure enough, Ja kind of took over down the stretch, finished with 34 points and a really impressive game winner to beat the Pelicans. So congrats to the Grizzlies for that. They actually won their next game as well versus Indiana. So stringing together back-to-back good wins. But still, you know, the Grizzlies are 8-19, and and I just wanted to take this time to say that, hey, I am not moving from my position on the Grizzlies. I think that this is uh, you know, too large of a hole for the Grizzlies to make up. Obviously, they can do it. It's certainly possible for them to make the play-in tournament, for them to make the playoffs outright. Uh, I just don't think they will. I don't think they have the talent. I don't know if Job Morant is that much of a difference maker. I still expect the Grizzlies to finish around the 11th seed in the Western Conference. So just wanted to remind everyone where I stand on Memphis. But again, good for them to have Job Morant back. He, he looks like the same guy, right? There's really no concerns with Job on the court ever. Um, he looks fantastic. So uh, it's just a matter of if he is going to be talented enough to lift up that Grizzlies team, which it, hopefully they can kind of survive some of the injuries that they've been dealing with lately as well. Next headline here. What is going on with the Clippers, man? I just wanted everybody to kind of realize that they were actually just strung off nine wins in a row. They did lose last night, I believe, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, obviously a really talented team. So their streak was snapped at nine consecutive wins. But again, guys, just wanted to, you know, I feel like everybody in the media was kind of dunking on the Clippers uh, right after they traded for James Harden because they looked awful. They were losing games while everybody was healthy. It looked really, really bad. And I think they lost at least their first five after making the Harden trade. And I was like, hey, guys, calm down. Let's remember, I, I tried to do a victory lap on the Clippers last year after they traded for Russell Westbrook. I thought that was a terrible move. Sure enough, they kind of corrected the ship after about 10 games of kind of having that feeling out process. And it looks like the Clippers have done the same exact thing after acquiring James Harden. Again, I don't think a a large reason for that win streak is James Harden individually. Again, this is Kawhi Leonard's team. This is Paul George's team. These two, those two guys have been playing really fantastic and, you know, to their credit have been extremely healthy this season, knock on wood. Hopefully that keeps up for them. Uh, But again, and Harden is is a nice ancillary piece as well. He's still a talented shot creator. He's still a wonderful playmaker as well. And I do think, like I said before, the Clippers for this season are a better team after this James Harden deal, like it or not. You can definitely make the argument that was still a bad trade. You can definitely make the argument that this really hurts the chances for the Clippers to contend in the future after this season. But if you look at the talent on this Clippers team, I hate doing it. It's so frustrating to say every year if they can stay healthy. This is a team that if everything breaks right, it's still not super, you know, probable, if you will. This is a team that has the talent to win a championship. And again, everybody, as much as I and everybody else wants to cross them off that list, I think you still have to mention the Clippers because of how talented they are. And I don't want to bet against Kawhi Leonard when he's healthy. It's really that simple. So, you know, congrats to the Clippers for figuring this out a little bit. They're currently sitting at 17 and 11, which is really solid. And they're currently the five seed in the Western Conference. So, Again, man, it looks like if they can, you know, stay healthy, that they will finish as one of the top seeds in the Western Conference uh, because they are surging right about now. And finally, the last storyline that I wanted to talk about before we move on to our Draymond Green content 
is Giannis's big night. Now, this is a little bit over a week ago, so it's a little bit outdated, but I had so much fun watching this game uh, and all the drama that kind of came afterward that I felt like it was worth mentioning on this podcast. So this was about a week ago on December 13th, I want to say, but the Bucks and the Pacers actually faced off just a few days after they played each other in the NBA in-season tournament. Of course, if you guys weren't dialed in for that, the Pacers ended up beating the Bucks in the in-season tournament before losing in the championship to the Los Angeles Lakers. So, again, the Bucks and the Pacers have just played a bunch within the past couple weeks. And they, again, played right after that in-season tournament game last week on Milwaukee's home court. Now, again, the Pacers had gotten the better of the Bucks the previous two times that they had played, so I'm sure the Bucks took that personally. You know, Tyrese Halliburton did, like, kind of the Dame Time celebration ripoff that I can't imagine anyone on Milwaukee enjoyed seeing. So this was a big get-right game for the Bucks, and they delivered. Giannis was unbelievable. Giannis finished the game with 64 points. I think he had, like, high 50s, and they ended up subbing him out late in the game because it looked like, you know, they had finally put the Pacers to bed, and the Pacers hit a couple shots. Giannis came back in the game, patted his stats a little bit, finished with a career-high 64 points, setting the Bucks' franchise record for most points in a game as well. So just a massive, a massive game for Giannis. The Pacers predictably had no answer for him. You know, they did a pretty good job of slowing down Tyrese on the other end and finished with a pretty easy win against the Pacers on their home court. So you would think that's kind of the storyline, right? Giannis, you know, goes back, gets his lick back after losing in the in-season tournament, asserts his dominance over the Pacers, and is all hunky-dory. No, that was not the case at all, because I was actually watching this on League Pass. I was about to switch games and go to something else. When I actually saw Giannis, after the game, looking super upset and literally charging toward what I learned afterward was the Pacers' locker room. He ran down the tunnel. It looked like he was trying to be held back by a few staffers from the Milwaukee Bucks, trying to, you know, kind of wrangle in Giannis. You know, good luck slowing down that guy that's, you know, seven feet tall, probably almost 300 pounds, just, you know, trying to hold him back like an average person. Like, that's just not going to happen. So he charges to the locker room, and I'm just like, what is he so upset about? Like, they just got an easy win. He had a career night. And then a short while later, there's a commercial break, whatever. You see Giannis come back out from behind the tunnel, come back onto the court, and he's just yelling. He's yelling at Tyrese Halliburton. He's yelling at a few staff members on the Indiana Pacers. And I'm just trying to figure out what what is going on. And so, uh, of course, NBA Twitter was all over this. There was, you know, if you don't follow Rob Perez on Twitter, he's far and away, worldwide wob, far and away my favorite follow on Twitter. He was all over this. He did like a 10-minute you know, Twitter documentary on exactly what happened. That's fantastic that I retweeted from the Words with Wallace page if you guys want to take a look at that yourself and get caught up on the drama. But basically, what we found out is Giannis was going to get his game ball, right? He had a career night. He was on his home court. He wanted to get his game ball. And he was under the impression that the Pacers had taken the game ball, brought it back to their locker room. So he went out to get it. Apparently was unsuccessful in that mission when he went to confront the Pacers in their locker room, came back out, started yelling at Tyrese, who clearly had no idea what was going on. And we later got details that the Pacers actually did try to grab the game ball, I guess, because they had a rookie on their team that scored his first career point. His name's Oscar. I'm going to butcher his his pronunciation. I think he was a Kentucky guy, but he's a rookie. He had his first career point technically in that game against the Bucks. However, it actually wasn't that guy's first career point because he actually scored one point the game before in the in-season tournament championship that technically didn't count for the stats. Like, I guess the in-season tournament game, because it's an extra game that, you know, only those two teams in the championship play. Uh, Basically, that, like, the stats don't really exist. They kind of exist in their own world of in-season tournament lore. They don't count for regular season stats. So it's kind of a technicality that that guy in the Pacers 
hadn't scored his first point, because in some ways he kind of had. Regardless, he didn't get the game ball for the in-season tournament championship, so they wanted to get him a game ball. And we can confirm that the Pacers actually do this, right? When dudes score their first career points for the Pacers, the staff makes a big deal out of collecting that game ball, giving it to the rookie that scored his first point, uh, and kind of moving about their their business, right? That's a cool thing that they do for their players, which I think in a vacuum is, is, it, is an awesome tradition for a team to have. However, it doesn't make sense that they would get the ball on a night where Giannis, you know, had a career night on his home floor, right? I think we're all in agreement of that. But the best part is that after the game, when we you kind of slowed down and looked at the final seconds of the game and watched that replay, you can see that a dude on the Bucks, like one of their security members, actually grabbed the ball and secured it the whole time. Like, like the final shot goes up, he grabs it, and, and assumably takes it back to eventually give to Giannis. So all this bickering, like literally Giannis having an absolute temper tantrum like a total meltdown after a career night over a game ball was hilarious especially when you consider that hey his team I guess had possession of the ball the entire time but I think out of all the drama and how annoying that whole thing could sound if you're not you know an NBA junkie like myself who just you know the drama is fun like it is funny it gives us stuff to talk about it's cool to see you know the human side of these guys outside of of their on-court performances and I generally like Giannis he's super competitive and I don't blame him in a vacuum wanting that game ball after a performance like that like I do get it but the best was Giannis's post-game presser right because he's he asks all this question he's he's still very pissed in the post-game presser, which was nearly an hour after the game, uh, where he explains he doesn't even know if he had the ball. He explains that, he, like, he, to this day, like, still doesn't know if he's in possession of the actual game ball. He has a ball, but to him, it doesn't feel like the one he was using in the game, which was hilarious. He goes on to explain that when he scored 50 points in the NBA Finals, he, for some reason, doesn't have that game ball either. So that eats away at him. So, you know, maybe you, it, it adds to the fire as to why he wanted the game ball for his career night. But the best part of all of it, and this is where Giannis really lost me on the explanation, because again, I do support him wanting the game ball, was he actually goes on, and, and he, it's a long answer, but in his like three-minute answer, he explains that the reason that he actually wanted the game ball was so he could give it to Damian Lillard. Dame had a pretty pedestrian game. I think he had 20-something points. But in that game, Damian Lillard passed Kyle Korver for number five all-time in made three-pointers. So, again, in a vacuum, that's a pretty significant achievement, right? We, I think we all would have known that Dame was going to get there eventually. I guess nothing is guaranteed in the NBA, and somebody could get hurt and whatever. But Dame is going to pass Reggie Miller by, like, the end of this season, and, and presumably whoever's next on that list, like, he's really just going to be behind Steph and, and probably Ray Allen. So he's going to, you know, pass multiple people on that list, and he had a pretty pedestrian night. And Giannis says, after all that, he was having a temper tantrum just to give it to his teammate. It's like, bro, I do not believe that for one second. It totally brings into question everything that he had said prior about wanting to get the game ball. Like, just admit you wanted it. You wanted it. You had a temper tantrum. You didn't get your way. And now you're still suspicious about it. But your reason for wanting it was because you wanted to give it to your teammate, who honestly probably didn't even know he passed Corver that night. So... I thought that was funny. If you missed the game ball debacle, that was the SparkNotes version. Probably spent too much time on it, uh, but I do think it was really funny. And it is going to be very interesting because, again, the Pacers and the Bucks do play again in a couple of weeks. Of course, they're in the same division, so they should have four regular season matchups. And they play in early January. So it is kind of fun when the NBA gets a new rivalry one way or the other. I think these teams are obviously super talented and fun to watch. So, you know, for the neutral NBA fan like myself, it is uh, a net positive. I think it'll be fun, and now it has a little extra meaning when these two teams face off in a couple of weeks. Now, let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this episode, ranking the top five dumbest moments of Draymond Green's career. Now, let's just do like a quick disclaimer at the start of all this. 
I think Draymond Green is an incredible basketball player. I have enjoyed watching Draymond Green for the most part over the past couple of years. I, you know, Steph is my favorite player ever. So once my Celtics were eliminated in the playoffs, I typically rooted for the Warriors in those final series that they were in, uh, especially now that, again, once the Celtics were out, of course, 2022, not included, uh, I would typically root for Golden State and, and Draymond was, you know, on that team as well, of course, so I was kind of stuck rooting for him. But he's extremely talented, right? He's, without Draymond Green, there is no Warriors dynasty. You know, in my opinion, he is an easy, easy selection for the NBA Hall of Fame, especially when you look at the standards for NBA Hall of Fame. You know, maybe he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer if you took NFL standards and applied it, but whatever. He's a he's a surefire Hall of Famer in the NBA, extremely valuable, a four-time NBA champion. Uh, so I wanted to say that first and foremost. Like, you know, I even like some of the podcast stuff he's doing. I think he's pretty good on TNT. I think his podcast is a decent listen. Uh, it's not great when he's kind of podcasting in the middle of a series, and, and maybe you could argue it's other things to focus on. But I don't really have a problem with any of that stuff. But what Draymond has done this season, uh, and, and most recently the hit that he had when he literally backhand punched Yusuf Nurkic in the face about a week ago and has been since suspended indefinitely by the NBA, I wanted to talk about it, right? I wanted to kind of do a big zoom out and kind of focus on Draymond's career as a whole to highlight just how many catastrophic moments he's had in his career. Uh, there's obviously he plays with an edge. He's kind of like the tough guy, like the Rodman of that Warriors team that I would argue that every team kind of needs a guy like that, that doesn't care. That's the bulldog that protects his guys and Stephen Clay, of course. Uh, but he, he's clearly taken it too far and in, in his old age, he hasn't really dialed that in. If anything, he's been more deranged and it's just been out of control, especially this season. And it's worth talking about because he's had a long career. He's had a very successful career. He's had some very famous dirty plays. He's had some very famous altercations. And so let's just kind of break it, break it down. I wanted to do a top five for this list because that felt appropriate. Uh, but there are a couple of honorable mentions that I just wanted to make mention of uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this list. Um, honorable mention number one, I believe this was the 2016, uh, playoffs when the Warriors played against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Draymond Green just kicked Steven Adams in the nuts at least three different times throughout this series. Um, it really, I implored you to look up all of these because they're hilarious and I'll see if I can link a YouTube video, uh, and tweet that out afterwards so you guys can access it if you want. Uh, but he actually kicks uh, Steven Adams in the nuts like three different times during this series. It's all him like on offense, like going to the basket and then he kind of, you know, up fakes and tries to draw a foul and then just like extends his legs and connects with Steven Adams nuts multiple times. So that one was just hilarious. It's worth mentioning. That's when all the early dialogue about Draymond Green being a, a dirty player. I think it mostly started uh, during that 2016 uh, playoff run that we're not done talking about, of course. Uh, moving on, I think it, this was the 2018 Western Conference Finals series against the Rock. But there was actually a game in which Draymond Green fouled James Harden in the face so hard, uh, it actually poked both of uh, James Harden's eyes to the point where they were both bloodshot and you could literally see like an impact mark inside James Harden's eye uh, really great foul from Draymond I mean if you're trying to take the other team's best player out of the out of the game you know no better way than just blind a man because you know people say Harden flops and he certainly does but that was a, a grown man hit that Harden took and ended up staying in that game so the double eye poke on you know from Draymond to James Harden another honorable mention on this list and then finally the third honorable mention uh, this is something that happened earlier this season that, again, I think we talked about on this podcast, but just a couple of weeks ago when the Wolves and the 
Warriors played in a game uh, for the, their second game in like back-to-back nights or and you know they had basically played two consecutive games Wolves versus Warriors and when the game was still 0-0 in that second game a massive altercation broke out between Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels uh, basically you know Rudy Gobert it was somewhat involved in the play trying to break up the fight and Draymond just comes in across the court puts Rudy Gobert in a headlock holds him there for about you know, seemingly 10 seconds while all the Timberwolves just stood by and just let Draymond choke out their starting center. Uh, that's honorable mention. He did get suspended for that, as he should have. Um, that's, again, only honorable mention because, A, I don't really rock with Rudy Gobert. I don't think many people do. Maybe I'd be more offended if it was someone on the Wolves that I actually liked. Uh, but I don't like Rudy Gobert, and I don't think anybody really does. So nobody was that mad at Draymond for that, I feel like. It was more just like, hey, you, you can't be just like, you know, going WWE, just putting somebody in a headlock who's not even really involved in the main altercation. Like, I guess it was just Draymond's way of, of using, you know, the, the chaos as a as a time to be like, hey, I got Gobert. I've been waiting on this moment. He never really liked Rudy Gobert. So that one is, again, the final honorable mention of when he put Rudy Gobert in the headlock. Doesn't even crack the top five dumbest moments of Draymond's career. Now, let's get into the nitty-gritty of this list. Now, when I was making this list, I had to consider a lot of factors, right? How egregious was the action itself, the on-court incident? How bad was it? How violent was it? How dangerous was it? That was part of the consideration. Uh, the stakes as well. What was the penalty for this action? Uh, what was the impact on the team after this incident? So it's really a combination of those three factors. You know, again, how egregious the activity was, the impact, and what the penalty was. Those three factors are kind of what I use to make this list. It's not an exact science. It's kind of a vibes thing. So I hope I hope you guys enjoy this as I kind of uh, walk you through this list. So number five on this list was actually an event that didn't even happen in an NBA game. Happened a little over a calendar year ago when Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in practice. This video was actually leaked in October of 2022. I'm sure you guys have heard about this before and kind of started the rift in last year's Warriors team and the massive rift between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. It appears like they're in an argument. Jordan Poole talks some shit to Draymond and he walks up. Poole is not even defending himself and Green just like connects to what appears to be his chin uh, and then is obviously held back and separated by his teammates. The, again, this incident happened in practice and somehow we have footage of that incident it's pretty unbelievable i'm sure somebody in the warriors security team lost their job or just sold out their team to to sell that video to tmz and make a quick buck uh, but either way it's crazy that we have access to that video and everybody saw it everybody saw the leader of the team punching one of their young ascending players in the face now again i don't rock with jordan Poole. Uh, but it, it's very easy to see that something was off with that warriors team last year when they were in the midst of trying to defend an nba title you know, I'm sure, I don't think Golden State would have won the title last year by any means, but it clearly got their team off on the wrong start. The vibes were terrible. The relationship between Green and Poole was clearly irreparable after this punch. They still don't like each other. They kind of, you know, send shots through the media uh, whenever they are asked about the other one, uh, even to this day throughout this season, which is hilarious. Of course, Jordan Poole ended up getting traded for Chris Paul, which I don't even necessarily hate that move because I wasn't confident with Jordan Poole's fit on the Warriors roster. But that being said, it really derailed their season last year. So I had to make, you know, put this one at number five because it was egregious. It was extremely dangerous. You know, obviously punching a teammate in the face, regardless of whether it's in the NBA game or behind closed doors or what. Uh, and it really drove a stake between last year's Warriors team. So I felt like the Jordan Poole punch was number five on this list of ranking Draymond Green's dumbest career moments. 
Moving on, we have number four on this list, and this was actually the inspiration behind this list because this incident happened about a week ago when Draymond Green backhanded Yusuf Nurkic and knocked him to the ground. This was far and away, it's number four on my list, but this was the most egregious on-court action I've ever seen from Draymond. I tweeted about it right after it happened. I was watching it live. Basically, it's an inbounds play, and, you know, Draymond and the Warriors are on offense. Uh, somebody else is inbounding the, the ball, and Draymond looks like he's trying to fight for position to receive the inbounds pass. Uh, Joseph Nurkic has his hand on Draymond Green's hip, maybe delivers like a light tug of his right hip, and Draymond then just uses that as an excuse to just whip around, close fist, connect with the side of Nurkic's face and neck, uh, extremely fast, whips around with his left hand and hits him, and Nurkic is huge, right? Like, Nurkic, pound for pound, might be one of the biggest dudes in the NBA. He's he's a, a comfortable, at least seven feet tall, maybe seven foot one. And he has to be over 300 pounds. Like, the dude is massive. And I'm, I am convinced if that was really anybody else in the Suns, like, they actually could have caused some real damage, like, probably broken something in their face. If it connected with somebody's temple, like, who knows what would have even happened. But this was a, a full-on swinging punch that Draymond could not defend. And... Again, the, even to say that this is only number four because we don't really know what the stakes of this incident is yet. Obviously, Draymond has been suspended by the league indefinitely, which is massive because this is the third time this season he's been ejected. And again, his second suspension after he got suspended for putting Rudy Gobert in that headlock. So, yeah, massive implications for the Warriors because they are, are kind of plummeting right now. Like, they're falling down the Western standings. They did get a big win over my Celtics the other day, which kind of sucked. Uh, but beyond that, the team is kind of spiraling. They really need some leadership from Draymond to kind of right the ship, and he just feels like he is totally off the rails. This certainly would be a lot higher on this list if this had happened during the playoffs or during the NBA Finals. Uh, but again, this is the most egregious on-court action I've seen. Draymond just looks extremely uncoordinated in that play, too. Like, it's it's just dangerous. He doesn't look like an athlete. He doesn't look like a basketball player. You know, he did end up apologizing and saying that he was trying to sell the call. And I'm like, okay, so... You're flopping, and then you you try to justify that by, you know, hitting somebody in the face as well. Like, flopping was the justification to almost, like, seriously injuring somebody. Like, the whole thing didn't sit right with me. I was so frustrated, especially because this is a real wake-up call for Draymond. The league's already uh, obviously suspended him earlier this season. So, again, the Joseph Nurkic backhand punch is number four on my list. Moving on to number three, we have to go to last year's playoffs in the first round. We have the Sabonis Stomp. This is actually, again, in last year's matchup between the Warriors and the Sacramento Kings. Uh, this is, again, a first-round matchup in which the Warriors were down 0-2, right? Uh, this incident actually happened late in Game 2 when the Warriors were down pretty significantly. Um, there was, like, a rebound or something like that. And, you know, Sabonis ends up falling to the ground. And he actually appears to kind of wrap up Draymond's leg. And Draymond tries to sell, again, sell the call to the fact that, hey, Sabonis has my leg. That's probably a foul on Sabonis. And so he actually stomps on Sabonis' chest, and I believe his hand was kind of wedged on his chest as well. Now, this is really grade-A acting by Sabonis. It sounds really terrible because he can't be stomping on, on one of the other team's best players in really any circumstance. Uh, but this was a really great sell job because, again, Sabonis instigated it. He did grab his leg. He definitely sold the contact a little bit. Uh, but this was actually number three on the list because it got him suspended for a singular game in a series in which the Warriors were down 0-2. He was then suspended for game three, and the Warriors were fortunate enough to win that game. And again, this is kind of already forgotten because the Warriors ended up winning that series in seven games against the Kings behind Steph's amazing game seven when he finished with 50 points. 
But this was a really significant event where, again, two high-profile players, two of the most famous players in that series going at it. He stomps on somebody. He took the bait from Sabonis and got suspended for a game which easily could have cost that team the series. And we would have really looked at the Warriors in a different light if they had ended up losing in the first round. I mean, again, um, they kind of, you know, big-brothered Sacramento and have really done so ever since that series. But uh, to lose to another team within your own division and within your own state that has no playoff pedigree whatsoever... Uh, that would be a really bad look for the Warriors, and they just got lucky that, you know, they ended up winning that series because that would have been a terrible look for Draymond to get suspended in Game 3 of that series. Moving on to number two on my list, we have Draymond Green's fight with Kevin Durant on the sidelines in November of 2018. So again, this is the Kevin Durant Warriors during the midst of that dynasty. They're coming off back-to-back uh, NBA Finals Championships in 2017 and 2018, and this is very early in the 2018-2019 season. This is in November of 2018, and it was a regular season game against the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, the incident itself is easily the most mild of all of, all of this list. To provide some context as to exactly what happened, the Warriors were playing the Clippers, I believe it was in LA that night, and it was... A very close game toward the end of regulation. It was actually a tie game. Draymond appears to get a rebound and is pushing it up the court. Kevin Durant is trailing the play wide open. He's calling for the ball. He's calling for the ball. He's calling for the ball for basically a full five seconds of game time. Draymond ignores all of KD's calls for the ball, takes it into the lane, proceeds to fall over, turn the ball over. The Warriors don't even get a shot up, and the game ends up going to overtime. Now, this altercation actually happened in between regulation and overtime, where Draymond and Kevin Durant are just barking at each other on the sidelines. Eventually, DeMarcus Cousins removes Draymond from the huddle. Iguodala is having a heart-to-heart with Durant. But clearly, this was a, a massive, you know, kind of tipping point for the relationship between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Now, many, I think both parties have talked about it afterward, like kind of what was said. You know, Draymond, the gist of it was that, you know, hey, we, we were doing this before you got here. We don't actually need you on this team. But basically, at that moment, it was secured that Kevin Durant would not be returning to the Warriors after the 2018-2019 season, and that's how it ended up playing out, right? Durant requests a trade, ends up getting moved on to the Brooklyn Nets, and the end of that rendition of the Warriors dynasty is over. Now, obviously, the Warriors could have and probably should have won that championship in 2019. Of course, Durant got hurt in the finals, Klay Thompson got hurt in the finals, and the Raptors ended up being the last team standing and ended up beating the Warriors in, I believe, six games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but either way, the Warriors were still right there for that season. They easily, you know, could have and should have won that tournament with a little bit better injury luck. But that being said, that moment where Draymond Green and his ego and his confidence and, and him saying, we don't need you, this is our team, we were doing this before you, cost the Warriors Kevin Durant. I don't care what you think of Kevin Durant the person, I don't care what you think of Kevin Durant and his decisions to even play for Golden State in the first place, but he is unbelievably talented, and you could have made the argument he is he was the best player in the world when that incident happened. And so the fact that you have such an inflated ego, that you, you are blessed to have won the last two titles in large part because of Kevin Durant, and you just individually cost your team the ability to sign him because of a stupid on-court incident. And obviously, I'm not saying Draymond could have just avoided that incident by passing Kevin Durant the ball. But still, for, to not pass him the ball, to not listen to him afterward, to say all that shit that drove a stake in that relationship, uh, really bad work by Draymond. And I think you know that on-court altercation in November 2018 cost the Warriors the chance to re-sign Kevin Durant and continue their dynasty. You know, Obviously, you can argue it worked out for the Warriors because you know they kind of went into a tailspin after that season. Steph got hurt. They got a couple top lottery picks. End up you know, kind of regrouping and winning the 22 finals. So you can argue it worked out. But 
I still think the Warriors would have a much better chance of getting more than just one title had they found a way to maintain Kevin Durant after that season. And then finally, the number one dumbest moment in Draymond Green's career, the 2016 NBA Finals nut punch of LeBron James. So, I'm sure you guys remember this one. This is easily the, the most famous moment, uh, low light of Draymond Green's career, you could say, the 2016 NBA Finals between the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Famously, the Warriors ended up blowing a 3-1 lead in the Finals to the Cavs and cost themselves the 2016 Finals. And in large part, it happened because of an incident in Game 4 between LeBron James and Draymond Green. To set the scene, they got kind of tangled up on a play, right? Uh, Draymond ends up falling to the ground. You could argue that LeBron kind of, you know, extended his arm and kind of pushed him off balance. Draymond ends up falling to the ground. LeBron definitely instigates here by stepping over Draymond Green, who is kind of sitting on his butt at this point in time. Draymond gets offended about LeBron, you know, may or may not have been sticking his nuts in Draymond's face. He took offense to that. He does one soft swing and seems to lightly connect with LeBron's groin area. And then after that, he swings again and misses. Um, then the argument kind of goes on. I don't even think they called anything on that play. Uh, eventually, they kind of got in a tussle and had to be broken up. But, you know, in review, after Game 4, the league ruled that that was actually a flagrant foul. Which, in a nutshell, I think it is a flagrant foul. LeBron did bait him into it. Again, this was not a particularly egregious on-court act. But it's probably worthy of, of it being a flagrant foul if you're going to swing out a guy's groin consecutive times, whether you connect or not. You know, the intent to hurt somebody was there, especially when that player is LeBron James and the best player on the other team and the most famous basketball player in the entire world at that point. So, yes, Draymond Green got assessed another flagrant foul, but as a result of that extra flagrant foul, he was suspended for Game 5 of the 2016 Finals. The Warriors obviously drop that game, they also drop Game 6, and they also drop Game 7 and end up losing. Now, obviously, I don't think that the Warriors end up losing that series. I think they end up winning in five games if Draymond doesn't get suspended. Uh, but I feel like what is often lost in the history of that moment is that, again, it was not Draymond's actions of punching LeBron or trying to punch LeBron in the nuts that cost him that game. It wasn't like, hey, that act was so egregious on the court, you really tried to hurt somebody, we're going to suspend you for one game. No, that's not what it was. The NBA has a policy that if you accumulate three different flagrant fouls over the course of one playoff run, then you will get suspended for one game. And I believe there's additional penalties after that if you keep accumulating fouls. But it was known that Draymond Green already had two uh, flagrant fouls against him. I think one of them came against the Rockets. Another one came in a, a series against the Thunder. Uh, but whatever, he already had you know two strikes against him. And the third strike, he was out. So it was known. Going into that game, like Draymond, you can't mess around. You can't get a flagrant foul here. We cannot afford to lose you. And LeBron knew that too. Like, again, he baited Draymond Green into doing that. He did not need to step over him, and he did. And because he did that, Draymond took the bait, and he was suspended. Now, again, it was not the most egregious on-court action of this list. It's not even close to as bad as what Draymond did to Yusuf Nurchich just like a week ago. But that being said, it cost his team... In NBA Finals, he, he didn't know the moment, he didn't know the stake, he couldn't control himself in that moment, and he was suspended for one game, and it likely cost his team the Finals. Now, obviously, they still had a chance to beat the, the Cavaliers at full strength in Game 6 and Game 7, and they weren't able to do that. But for that moment, and because of the stakes of that one incident between LeBron James, uh, that has to be the dumbest moment of Draymond Green's career. So again... That's my list. I do like Draymond Green. I think he's a very valuable player. I can't imagine this is the episode that goes viral and all the Warriors fans will hate me. Either way, I think it's really fun to kind of go through this exercise and just see kind of how his career has evolved in the top dumbest moments. I'm just going to give you another recap of the list real quick. 
The first honorable mention is when Draymond kicked Steven Adams in the nuts like three different times in the same playoff series. Uh, another one is when he double eye poked James Harden in a matchup versus the Rockets. That was a, a real low light for Draymond. Uh, next, the headlock Draymond had on Rudy Gobert just a couple weeks ago. That was the final honorable mention. Number five was the Draymond Jordan Poole punch. Number four was the Nurkic backhand just a week ago. Uh, number three was the Sabonis stomp in last year's first round of the playoffs. Uh, number two was a fight with Kevin Durant in the regular season that cost Kevin Durant's future with the Warriors. Uh, and then finally, number one on this list was, of course, LeBron nut punch in the 2016 NBA Finals. So, guys, that does it. That is the dumbest moments of Draymond Green's career. Hopefully, you enjoyed this bit. Uh, as far as future episodes, man, I might do, like, maybe a, a Christmas Day reaction if I'm really dialed in on Christmas to watch those games. I'm super excited to watch the Celtics in just a few days here, and I know we have a really awesome slate besides that Celtics-Lakers game. Uh, I'm also thinking about doing, I think, you know, right around Christmas, uh, right when, you know, the NBA is gaining a bunch of new viewers. I feel like Christmas is the unofficial start of the NBA season for the casual fans. Maybe this is a good time for me to do a tier ranking. I'm thinking about doing that next episode. Or I might just grab a guest to talk about uh, one of the hotter teams in the NBA. So you'll have to stay tuned for that. It'll likely be one of those three things coming on the next episode. Before I let you guys go, be sure to follow at Words with Wallace on everything. That includes Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. That includes Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, be sure to follow at Words with Wallace. Subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. And I will talk to you guys next week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Peace.